We begin this morning with a story from the great book by Gail Boss, All Creation Waits. He should not be here, not in the basement window well where he fell sometime in the night, sniffing out food. Not in any state or place or location where winter temperatures sit below freezing many days in succession. We lift the opossum, held in the clasp of two rakes. When we open those gates and he quick waddles into the woods, I bow to him, to the wonder of his survival. Possums, not unlike this one, watched the dinosaurs die. They're that ancient. And they haven't evolved much since their tropical beginnings. The northern winter's cold will leave nearly all with scars, a missing tail tip and ragged ears. The possum's tail and ears, being hairless, naked, are quickly bit by frost, and bits of them fall off. This would happen less often if the animal would stay in his leaf-lined den during cold snaps. He does try, but if the cold lasts more than three or four days, hunger forces him out. He has done his best, through summer and fall, to add body fat, eating very nearly anything, living or dead. But unlike a raccoon or skunk, when cold and snow come, he can't slow his metabolism and sleep to burn that fat more slowly. In fact, his furnace works overtime, burning fat faster. And though he is more adept than a rat or dog at remembering where he's once found food, he doesn't carry it home and cash it away. So to add fat fuel, he must go out. Slow and uncamouflaged, he has no defenses except a menacing, toothy hiss. He can be scared to what looks like death, collapsed, unconscious, oozing a noxious green slime that may or may not put off the scarer. Of course he wants to go out when the night is darkest, but that's when the night is coldest. And the coat he wears not only leaves his tail and ears and toes exposed, it's not really a winter coat at all. It has no down hairs next to his skin to insulate him, and no true guard hairs to repel snow or sleet. Temperatures below 20 degrees Fahrenheit will freeze him rather quickly. During a spell of nights colder than that, he may risk waiting, or he may choose to go out for food when the sun warms the day and shines a light on him for predators. He gambles either way, darkness or warmth, which gives him better odds. He makes the decision alone, shy, solitary. He dens without even the small comfort of shared warmth. He is only here in snow-covered winters because we are. His ancestors began inching north with the pioneers, where humans build barns, sheds, and garages, basements and attics, shelters warmer than burrows, where we grow gardens and put out garbage bins. Reliable food supplies. Possums can beat the odds. The cold stacks against them. The possum in our backwoods has my neighbors and me, or his best adaptation to winter. And he ne very nearly died in my window well. A naturalist tells me that had we plucked the possum from the well by his tail and slid a supporting hand under his back, he would not have snarled and twisted, trying to fight, break free, and flee. He would have abandoned himself to our hands, one forepaw clasping the other, a posture that looks like petition, like prayer.
I'm in charge of taking the dog out at night. It's always been that way since we adopted him. I've come to appreciate it, even when it's frustrating. Cold, clear winter nights are my favorite. Letting my lungs fill with the crisp air, feeling small with the vastness above and the vastness within. Who knew taking a dog outside could be awakening? Uh, when you have a pitch black Rottweiler, though, there, there are times I'm not even sure where he is in the shadows. And he also has a great habit of standing still in torrential downpours and just staring at you. It's really quite a majestic sight. But I remember one night pretty clearly. It's not unique anymore. It's happened several times. One evening, I opened the door to let the dog out, and he went bolting. He likes to chase things, but never has much success. Being a 100-pound work dog breed doesn't mean you're the most adept hunter. Off he went, though, to chase a stray cat out of the yard, or more often than not, to chase a shadow. But something was different this time. There was an intensity to the growling, and then nothing stopped. Complete silence. It was noticeable and out of character. I started to approach and the moonlight was just enough that evening that I saw it. Two glinting eyes close to the ground and the large black shadow that was my dog nearby. I knew immediately what happened. I didn't quite know what to do so I, I grabbed a, a nearby stick, not for defense really, but more to keep the two apart, I thought. I must have looked silly. As I got close enough, there it was. A possum playing dead in the middle of the yard. And my dog, a goofy large Rottweiler, having absolutely no idea what just happened. This thing was moving, now it's not. It isn't breathing, is it real or not? And what is that smell? It, it must be dead. All thoughts the dog must have been having. I leaned in a bit to get a closer look at the possum nudging the dog away. He was debating if the possum was a play toy or nothing at all, and I wasn't going to let him find out. But the possum really looked dead. Its mouth was half open, tongue hanging out to the side. It was almost on its back. It was like a cartoon interpretation of what playing possum looks like. And it, was, it was pretty funny. For some strange reason, I had just read all about possums and playing dead. I learned about how their heart rate decreases to a barely discernible thump. They hardly breathe. Their body temperature takes a nosedive. Their brains stop firing synapses. I'm simplifying, of course. And the chief highlight of playing dead is they emit a smell that emulates decay. Now, I didn't smell anything, nor did I care to, but I'm sure the dog did. I also knew that sometimes this state, playing dead, was most often involuntary and could last quite some time. So I ushered the dog back inside, despite his protests, and came back out. I was prepared to grab a shovel or put on gloves or find a box or something, anything, to help relocate the possum in case it had no choice but to play dead for hours. But by the time I returned, there it was, scurrying up a tree, two glinting eyes looking down on me. This is a frequent story nowadays. A possum family has moved into the neighborhood and our house is on their list of rotating shelter sites. They're a species that likes to move around, um, kind of Bedouins of the Kentucky evening. The routine is so familiar now. I don't grab a stick for no good reason and I know where the gloves are and a box if needed, but always the possums leave before I return. I know they're always out there watching. 
not quite aware of their good fortune. Our dog isn't a killer. He just likes the chase. But I've come to appreciate them, uh, the possums. I appreciate their resilience. As we heard in the, the words of Gail Boss, they shouldn't be living in this climate, let alone farther north than Kentucky. There's a reason they have tails and ears with missing bits, inconsistent numbers of fingers, ratty hair. They're not suited for these winters, and yet they have found home. In many ways, they're like humans. Originally a tropical species, look at us now. Some of us even finding negative 20 or worse degree days thrilling. I like to take notice of the possum and its resilience. The balancing act of risk versus reward. Follow the humans, their instincts prodded. Follow them to reliable food and daily brushes with death every winter night. I also appreciate their look. They get a bad reputation. Pointy snouts, narrow faces, jagged teeth, ratty fur, half of a tail. We, we judge them compared to puppy dogs and kittens. But a, a baby possum is just as cute, clinging to the fur of their mother as they hitch a ride to their next nest in their rotation. As the only marsupial on this continent, there's something to admire there. They almost look as ancient as they are. But most of all, I appreciate what they do in the face of danger. And okay, okay, uh, appreciate is a weird word. It's the wrong word. Maybe notice, noticing and understanding are better. I like that. I notice and understand. Without judging yourself or anyone, think of a time when faced with great tragedy, conflict, disaster, and you just stopped. You didn't fight. You didn't flee. But you played dead. Your teeth were showing, perhaps your tongue hanging out of your mouth, your breathing slowed, your heart wasn't thumping, you just slowed down. Now, I won't say you smelled like death, but well, that could happen too. I think of possums playing dead and I just laugh. What an odd defense to develop throughout the ages. And I wonder, if ever there was a mascot for the year 2020, it would be the possum. This year has been hostile to all of us. We're a bit worse for wear, and the coldest nights await us. We are not suited for this climate, and yet our instincts tell us to keep going. The possum for us here, looking to the natural world, is a cautionary example. That's what I feel when I think of the possum. <laughs> Many of us have been frozen by fear since March hoping this would all pass. When I found out this wouldn't just last two weeks or a month at most, I froze. What will I do? What will this place do? What will all of you do? How on earth will we get through this? And, and here we are, several months into this, and still the news is not good. Life isn't just about fight or flight. Sometimes it's about being frozen in place and recognizing it. Not making judgments about it. It's, it's a reaction that we have. It's a reaction that has ushered the possum through generations. It's a response to a threat, and we're all threatened. But when we take notice and understand what we are going through, what others around us are going through, if we really take the time for that, not, not to dissect it, but to just have that glimmer of recognition, I feel we can learn valuable lessons. First, we are not alone in the coming winter. We are not absolute loners like our dear friend, the possum. 
We forge community, religious or otherwise. And if we're being honest, a place such as this isn't just about our values, the history or tradition. It's about the lived moment in good company. It helps that we join with people on a shared journey, of course, but, but the heart of it, the real heart of it, is not facing the inhospitable seasons of living on our own. And second, uh, the short version is this. Look to the natural world. It's enough. And we are inseparable from it. One might throw together a rudimentary flowchart. <laughs> if nature is enough and we are a part of nature, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we're enough too. Imagine that. But that's, that's another sermon, of course. For us today, we look to winter in the Northern Hemisphere. The stories and inspirations in, say, Melbourne or Santiago or Cape Town are different than here. And not just here, uh, when we talk about the wider United States, but, but here, the bluegrass. When you root yourself wholly in a place, you take notice. When winter thaws here in Kentucky, we know the season of the stink bug is coming. Emerging from paper-thin hideaways, appearing as if out of nothingness, and we know surprisingly warm days in February or March will confuse the tulips, and yet the tulips persist. Bright summer days bring clouds of skippers feasting on flowers. And winter, the snakes, the bats, they burrow and hide away. The hum of insects stops. Perhaps we hear an owl in the distance at night. and Possums on the move for warmth and food. And then the stillness of the night the seasons of Kentucky, unique to this place, similar to others but with their own flair, have much to share with us. As our Christian siblings take notice of the second Sunday of Advent, I'm reminded that in some traditions, this is the Sunday of prophecy in the Advent season. Make way for the light will return. Follow the light wherever it may lead or rest in the darkness. Statements that we hear so often, they've kind of lost their prophetic edge. Or maybe we just know it intuitively, or, or perhaps both. The natural world turns inward. It follows the light. Or in the case of the possums, food and shelter. For winter is a passing season. This year has been one long winter. A turning inward, literally. Many of us haven't really left our homes. And when we do, we wrestle with fight or flight or freezing in place. We look for those shining beacons of hope that will guide us through this, and yet the days are flying by. And yet, somehow the nights are still long. The pandemic has left us worse for wear, but there it is, in the distance. The hope of spring, or vaccines, and the rebuilding of our community to come. Now, life doesn't promise us anything. Nature simply unfolds. And that includes our species. As always, the real balance is to both look at that, to, to look at nature, look at human beings as a part of it, and to honor that. To name the parts of our instincts that betray our wildest hopes. To honor it and resist the temptation to be apathetic. To remain frozen in place. To throw up our hands and say, well, what can we do? It's in our nature after all. The possum does not remain frozen forever. It eventually wakes and gets back to the great fight to survive the winter, for it can, it can do no other.
The stories we tell this time of year are just that. We lean into resilience, survival, and hope, for we can do no other. As winter settles in, as we take notice and understand the unfolding of nature around us, I would be remiss if I didn't remind you to not go it alone. To let go of perfection, demanding it of yourself and others. Take notice of how this season of our lives has left us worse for wear, or, or those we love. The work of the world remains, and we, we can't ignore that. But if we do not deal with ourselves with compassion and kindness, if we think we can go it alone these long nights, I need not finish the thought. We need to take care of ourselves and one another as winter approaches. We can look to the world around us for resilience and hope, but also our, our faith, our, our shared tradition. Our principles do not ask us to deal callously with ourselves or others. Uh, when we speak of worth and dignity, it is our worth and dignity too. Beloved community, this community too. Finding our place in the interdependent web, yes, our place. Nothing is separate. And so you are enough, dear friends. You are loved and you are not alone. Write it on a slip of paper, and if you don't believe it yet, reach out. Say it over and over. Say it to those close to you. Say it to someone who wouldn't expect to hear it. Looking forward to sharing in this winter with all of you and holding on to the hope that is yet to come. Blessed be. Amen.